and welcome to another episode of Scouting 5, recapping scouting news from around the world for the week of March 30th, 2020. I'm Scouter Ken, and today I'm recording from St. Albert, Alberta. This first bit isn't actually news so much, but it comes to us via some gentle prodding from Chris McKagan. I posted a link to it in a discussion that some scouters were having on one of the various scouting-related Facebook groups that I'm part of, and it concerns the topic of Zoom bombing. But before we talk about what that is, let's talk a little bit about what Zoom is. So Zoom, you can find them at zoom.us. They're not sponsors of the show, but I do like the software. Uh, they are uh, video conferencing solutions for um, they support conversations of up to about a hundred people with free accounts. You can have conversations up to forty minutes in duration for up to a hundred people. And Zoom has, of course, been enjoying a significant uptick in usage in the wake of so many of us being told to stay at home to stop the spread of the coronavirus. My wife's. Bible study group uses Zoom now to conduct their meetings, and we have been rolling it out within our group to conduct meetings with our scouts and soon our cubs as well. I've seen other groups doing likewise. But some care and caution needs to be taken because, unfortunately, what has also become commonplace is something called Zoom bombing or Zoom trolling, an annoying new feature, if you will, of the post COVID 19 world. Zoom bombing occurs when a member of the meeting screen shares offensive or unwanted material to the entire group. All of a sudden, during a meeting, an inappropriate image might pop up in front of all the users. This could include offensive language, pornography, or, you know, other offensive images. The reason that this has become such a thing lately is that many Zoom meetings are open to any user who has the room's identity. Uh, once you have that, you can join and wreak havoc on the meeting. So all that uh, users bent on Zoom mobbing need to have really is the room ID. Even if they're kicked out of the meeting, they can simply rejoin and continue Zoom bombing the meeting. If moderators try and block them, they can enter the call under a new name using that same room ID. And one of the reasons that it's so easy to Zoom bomb a meeting and so difficult to stop is actually based on Zoom's sort of default policies. The host does not need to grant screen share access to another participant in order for them to share their screen. That's a default setting within Zoom. So as you can imagine then, if you have a Zoom account, one of the easiest ways to harden yourself against Zoom bombing is for you as the host to disable the screen sharing option by default for all meetings so that only you, the host, can share your screen. Another way that you can go about doing this is to limit access to that Zoom ID, your personal ID, and then also any auto-generated meeting IDs. If you're sharing the Zoom link on Facebook or Twitter, any old troll can join the meeting and Zoom bomb it. So by keeping the meetings more private, you're sharing them only with certain people. You don't put it publicly on Facebook, like say in a publicly viewable event, but you share it in a message between only those individuals you want to join or via email between those individuals you want to join. You keep the Zoom ID secret. If for whatever reason you do have to share the Zoom ID publicly, you can also define a private password that you can share with certain users. That can also serve to limit Zoom bombing, although the passwords that Zoom allows you to set aren't necessarily the most robust. I will include a link in the show notes to a website called Stop Zoom Bombing, and you can find some other tips there for uh, preventing this from occurring. If you do intend on using Zoom with your scout troop, cub pack, whatever, but just be aware, 
that uh, it is out there. This is the internet. People will always find ways to troll other users. And that's unfortunate, but there are some things that you can do to prevent it. The Girl Scouts of Western New York have moved all of their cookie sales to the online realm. After uh, canceling more than 750 planned and in-person cookie booth sales station about two weeks ago, given the current virus-related restrictions affecting the entire region. Their online cookie program can be accessed at their website, which is gswny.org. Interested buyers or donors can also email them, uh, customercare at gswny.org, and a representative will match them with a troop, or they can contact the Girl Scouts or adult troop leaders that they know directly. The Girl Scouts of Western New York serves multiple counties in the state, Cataraugus, uh, Chautauqua, Erie, Genesee, Livingston, Monroe, Niagara, Orleans, and Wyoming, and online cookie sales are available across the entire region. The Girl Scouts also made it clear through multiple communications that girls and volunteers may opt out of this year's cookie program without penalty. Continuing with it is a choice. All cookie proceeds, uh, just as a general rule, all cookie proceeds from sales stay within the, uh, within the council that the sales are conducted in. Troops earn proceeds from each cookie box to fund their adventures. They set goals that uh, many still want to reach. Prior to the onset of COVID-19, the Girl Scouts of Western New York was actually projecting sales goals to be exceeded. They were hoping to set a new record in 2020. A bankruptcy judge in Delaware has granted a request by the Boy Scouts of America to halt lawsuits against local scouting councils as the BSA works on its bankruptcy plan to set up a compensation fund for thousands of men who were unfortunately molested as Boy Scouts by various scout leaders. The judge last, uh, last Monday approved a proposed consent order that had been agreed to by the BSA and official bankruptcy committees representing abuse survivors and other unsecured creditors. In doing so, the judge overruled a loan objection by attorneys for one abuse survivor who wanted to pursue their lawsuit against the Greater Niagara Frontier Council in New York, and also against former scoutmaster Douglas Nail. Nail was sentenced to 10 years in prison after pleading guilty to possession of child pornography in 2004. He's accused of molesting a former scout over a period of several years in the 1980s. The judge's ruling puts the lawsuit against the Greater Niagara Council on hold while allowing litigation to proceed against Nail. The Boy Scouts initially saw, uh, sought to halt all litigation against local councils for six months from the date of its February 18th bankruptcy filing. The agreement forged with the creditors' committees calls for lawsuits to be put on hold through May 18th with the possibility of an extension. The judge noted that the BSA and local councils are also covered under a single excess insurance policy and that the BSA has played a key role in defending lawsuits by abuse survivors. The insurance policy in question once had a $25 million limit, uh, but now stands at about $18 million because of previous settlements. With its finances and reputation damaged by these scandals, Scouts recently sought bankruptcy protection. We talked about that in several previous episodes of Scouting 5 with the plan being to set up a victim's compensation fund for the thousands of men who were molested as boys by scout leaders over the course of decades. The judge noted that about 275 lawsuits were pending, with another 1,400 claims identified but not filed, when the BSA sought bankruptcy protection. More claims will likely be filed as part of the bankruptcy case. A 16-year-old Toronto boy and members of his scout troop are currently stranded in Central America due to travel restrictions imposed by the COVID-19 outbreak, or rather, 
in response to the COVID-19 outbreak. Tiago Warren and the 8th Don Mills Scouts left for Honduras on March 7th, and they were supposed to return home on March 21st. Warren and 11 others went to Honduras to build a rural school with the nonprofit international development agency World Accord. Parents were, of course, excited that their teens would be making the humanitarian trip. Uh, many even arranged for their kids to have a week off of school prior to the March break. But on March 16th, kind of in the middle of the trip, the Prime Minister of Canada announced that Canada would be closing its borders to most non-citizens to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. He urged Canadians abroad to come home. The scouts heard that call, um, but shortly thereafter found that their return flight had been cancelled. And since then, evidently, they've had a few more flights cancelled. According to scout leader Elizabeth Liness, speaking from Honduras, four flights in total have since been cancelled. They just cannot seem to get home. That said, according to Liness, the group is currently safe, they have shelter, and for her part, she's grateful that people in the local community in Honduras have been very supportive. She says the teens are in good spirits, which is certainly welcome news to their parents back home, though no doubt many of their families won't really be able to rest until their children are back where they belong. Liness also notes that Global Affairs Canada reached out to her and two other scout leaders on the trip last Thursday morning to say that officials are still working on a solution. Global Affairs Canada, for their part, also released a statement saying that they are continuing to work to repatriate Canadians around the world, but that some may remain outside the country for an indeterminate amount of time. And that is all the news I have for you this week. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, wash your hands and be prepared.